The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 288. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page, where you can watch this podcast, at Brian McClanahan. You'll find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address, and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com, mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. And, of course, I've got a lot of classes available for purchase, which will help support the show. You can also support the show by going to brianmclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Also get your Brian McClanahan book plates there. A lot of great stuff. Get your Brian McClanahan show gear at brianmclanahan.com. Click on that shop tab take you out you get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff also the think locally act locally logo which is great lots of great ways to support the show and of course always share this around on social media uh, rate it on your favorite podcast website go to anchor.fm where the podcast is hosted all kinds of great ways to support the brian mcclanahan show and spread the message of think locally act locally that's what we're trying to do And so let's talk about the topic of the day, which is Trump's State of the Union address. So against the backdrop of impeachment, Trump was impeached. Now there's going to probably be an acquittal. I'm recording this the day after the State of the Union address. Don't know if they're going to have an acquittal yet, but I'm sure that's going to happen. Uh, And, of course, the Democrats have completely stepped in it with Nancy Pelosi's display of Uh, immaturity and ripping up Trump's State of the Union address on television right behind him, picking her teeth the whole time. Uh, They have, to the average voter, I'm sure, to the average American voter, now to the the far left, that appeals to their base, right? I mean, this is is getting out there. You rip up the State of the Union address. Yeah, we're going to get those. We're going to get Trump. We're going to get him 2020. To the average voter, they're thinking that. To the I'm sorry, to the, to the, uh, to the uh, base Democrat leftist voter, they're thinking that. To the average voter, though, what they've seen in the last couple of weeks is a complete political theater, a charade. The Democrats rushing into the impeachment, not really having much of a case, of course, uh, for, the, for the articles that they presented. Now, most Americans believe there was probably something going on there, maybe some corruption, but also most Americans understand that diplomacy is corrupt, They expect corruption out of the American government now. I mean, the average American does expect there to be some level of corruption. We know it was there during the Obama administration, during the Bush administration, during the Clinton administration. We know it was all there. You can go back 100 years 
and find corruption in Washington, D.C. Everyone expects it. But what they saw was naked partisanship. And Americans, the average American voter, not, not again, not the base of the Republican Party or the base of the Democrat Party, the average American voter doesn't like to see rabid partisanship. And this is exactly what they think they've seen and the hyperbole used by the Democrats in the last few weeks to describe the Trump administration. They don't want to see it. And then for Nancy Pelosi to be immature, throw a temper tantrum and rip up a speech, that the optics of that are going to be just completely destructive for the Democrats, I think, in the 2020 election. Now, I could be wrong, but I think this is going to greatly damage 2020. Plus the optics of the Iowa caucuses, you have the Bernie supporters now very upset. They think they're going to get robbed again. And of course, they're going to get robbed. The, the, the Democrats have circled the wagons around establishment. They're trying to get somebody besides Bernie to be the nominee because they understand if Bernie Sanders becomes the nominee, he is going to get completely slaughtered in the 2020 election. Uh, all Trump has to start doing is talking about Bernie's a communist, calling him crazy Bernie, doing the things they do. And Bernie Sanders does not present well on television. Bernie Sanders is not, I mean, the average, again, the average Midwestern voter, sure, he's going to offer everything under the sun. It's going to be Santa Claus. But the fact is, Trump will be able to use the, the things that he does against Bernie very well. And I think that um, Bernie, the Democrats know Bernie Sanders can't win. So they're rallying around Joe Biden. But of course, Joe Biden finished fourth in Iowa. Now, it doesn't mean anything in some ways. I mean, look, Iowa, uh, Buttigieg has is, is, uh, supposedly won Iowa. Um, we'll see. Um, but uh, the fact is, the, the Democrats look terrible right now, optically, in the public eye. They are not doing well. And then you've got this State of the Union address, which Trump presents. And I'm going to go over this. We're going to talk about some of it. And I'm also going to talk about you know the, the American empire in this as well, because there's another story I want to piggyback on top of this when you get to the military part. But um, the State of the Union address, as State of the Union addresses are nowadays, is just a bunch of, again, fluff and hyperbole. Just like the Democrats, this is what the Republicans do with their State of the Union address. There's not a whole lot of substance to this thing. It's not like the State of the Union addresses. I, I, I did a, a, an episode, I think about a year ago now, it was a year ago, where I said what the real State of the Union address should have been. First of all, as I said in that, it should be delivered written to the Congress, not delivered in person. Trump was not going to do that. And he was not going to do that because this was his time to get on television and present himself to the public as being above the fray, being above the impeachment. Now, he did not shake hands with Nancy Pelosi, and I didn't expect him to, uh, because, I mean, he's, he's bitter right now. He certainly is. And the Democrats have behaved badly in this entire process. So, I mean, I don't think that if this was the 19th century, if this was Andrew Johnson, he wouldn't have shaken hands with the Republicans. I mean, there's no problem with that. I have no issue with that. But again, optics is important now in American politics because people watch everything. Social media is everywhere. People have got Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and all these things that they go out and the optics matter. This speech is all about optics. And optically, it was a very good speech. Substance, not so much. Some of the things that he said in it were a little far-fetched. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a great appeal to the Republican base to rally them. Of course, Trump is hitting near 50% approval, and that's because Republicans now overwhelmingly, 
close to 100% of American Republicans are supporting Trump now because, again, the Democrats have messed up so badly in terms of optics. I don't know if there's any, you're going to find many Republicans. You're always going to have the Bill Crystals. You're going to have the neocons, the never Trumpers that are out there, the, the, the Rick Wilsons. You're going to have these people that will not vote for Trump. They'll vote for the Democrat. Even if it's crazy Bernie Sanders, they'll vote for the Democrat. Um, and they'll do it just out of spite. Bill Crystal's admitted as much. And of course, all the things that, oh my gosh, we're going to have dictatorial powers in the presidency now. This is The presidency's off the rails. It's been off the rails since 1789. The presidency in the 20th century into the 21st century has been off the rails. I mean, this is just ridiculously stupid to think that somehow Trump has changed the executive branch forever. It was changed forever in the 20th century. It was changed forever in 1861 when Abraham Lincoln assumed office and essentially assumed dictatorial powers. <clears throat> it was changed forever when Andrew Jackson threatened to hang people for nullification. It was changed forever when George Washington sent troops into western Pennsylvania during the Whiskey Rebellion. It was changed forever then. It was changed forever when George Washington issued the Neutrality Proclamation. It was changed forever. So to think that somehow the presidency is any different today than it was three years ago is laughable. But the Democrats are trying to play optics here, and they're not doing a very good job of it. First of all, Schiff, I mean, I saw, um, I can't remember who it was, that said that the two best speech, two best orators in the 21st century are Barack Obama and Peter Schiff. I'm sorry, not Peter Schiff. Uh, Adam Schiff. <laughs> Thinking of uh, the great Peter Schiff. Adam Schiff. Uh, Adam Schiff and Barack Obama. Two best orators in the 21st century. Are you kidding me? Schiff and Obama? Obama does make good speeches. Schiff, though? Oh my gosh. I mean, these people are delusional. Let's talk about the State of the Union address, and I printed this off from uh, from Vox.com. So I'm going to the, I just did a Google search. It's amazing what comes up on Google, the top of the line. You know, Vox. That's what they want you to read. Um, and you look at this again, a lot of platitudes, hyperbole. It's just there's not much substance to it, but I want to get into some of the things. So let's let's read this. Three years ago, we launched the Great American Comeback. Tonight, I stand before you to share the incredible results. Jobs are booming. Incomes are soaring, poverty is plummeting, crime is falling, confidence is surging, and our country is thriving and highly respected again. I mean, oh, that's Republican base right there. That's all that is. Is there any truth to that? Well, some of it, maybe. But does it have everything to do with the central authority? Absolutely not. If crime is plummeting in America, it's not because the central authority has done much of anything. We know that some of the things says Trump says about immigration are simply not true. Uh, we know that the economy is not, I mean, look, there's some real warning signs about the economy, and that's the amount of debt that the United States is racking up every year. It can't, it's not, it's unsustainable. Trillion dollar deficits for, till the eye can, as far as the eye can see, in 20 years, we're going to be completely broke. So there, there I mean, if, if you really wanted uh, to promote something, it should be not just tax cuts, but spending cuts. And of course, we've gotten none of that. The spending has increased exponentially. Um, so, I mean, this is all hyperbole and, and non nonsense. The years of economic decay are over. The days of our country being used, taken advantage of, and even scorned by other nations are long behind us. Gone to are the broken promises, jobless recoveries, tired platitudes, and constant excuses for the depletion of American wealth, power, and prestige. 
I don't think all those things are gone. <laughs> those things aren't gone. Uh, but again, Trump is rallying the base here. Look what we're doing. This is these are my talking points for 2020. He's setting it up. This is this is a speech. This is an opening campaign speech for his re-election in 2020. It's exactly what this is. Um, he goes down. I am thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. I don't know about that, but certainly uh, he's making a case here. Again, it's it's a platitude. Our military is completely rebuilt, with its power being unmatched anywhere in the world. And not, it's not even close. Our borders are secure. Our families are flourishing. Our values are renewed. Our pride is restored. And for all these reasons, I say to the people of our great country and the members of Congress before me, the state of the Union is stronger than ever before. Ah, uh, you know, rah, rah, rah. One thing as a side note, before I get into some of the other things here. If you didn't see it, Rush Limbaugh was given the presidential... Medal of Freedom, right? The highest civilian honor. And this is the state worship of the Republican Party. And of course, Limbaugh's diagnosed with lung cancer. It's the only reason he got this award, I believe. I mean, if he had not been diagnosed with lung cancer and advanced lung cancer, which means he's probably not got long to live. I mean, you know, people do survive lung cancer and cancer survival rates are higher than they've ever been. But advanced lung cancer is not a good diagnosis uh, for Rush Limbaugh. Uh, maybe four or five years uh, so it's it's not going to be good for Limbaugh. But so he gets this award, and of course the hero worship, uh, the state worship, is on display for all to see. I mean, can you imagine any of this back in the 18th century? As bad as George Washington did some things in the executive branch, I can't imagine the founding generation agreeing to any of this. Now, of course, you did have the Society of Cincinnati, which was a military organization, but you had to have been an officer in the American War for Independence to do any of that. Uh, so, and there was, there was, look, this is creating a monarchy. This is creating a court. We don't want that. So you had people, of course, opposed to that. But here we have this, and Rush Limbaugh is, you know, almost crying in his hands. Can't believe it, all these things. And look, I will say this. Uh, it's terrible news for Rush Limbaugh. I, 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 I mean, I don't care who you are. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish these terrible cancer diagnoses on anybody in the world. It's awful, awful stuff. And Rush Limbaugh, for a lot of Americans, is a gateway into this podcast, right? I mean, maybe you grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. Maybe you've listened to Rush Limbaugh before, and you're looking, and you think, this doesn't make sense, or I don't understand this, or why. So you get into some other things, you start reading other stuff, and then, of course, you come around to the think locally, act locally position. So I still listen to Rush Limbaugh at times. If I'm driving down the road, it's noon, and there's nothing on the radio, and I just want to put on the radio, I'll put on talk radio. I'll listen to all the talk radio the syndicated talk radio host. And so if you're listening to this, you like talk radio. This is what you do. And so, uh, look, Rush Limbaugh is an important figure in 20th century and 21st century American conservatism, without a question. Um, and, and if you don't wish him well, you're just, uh, you are uh, a person who has a lot of problems in your life. doesn't matter who you are. Again, I wouldn't wish cancer or cancer diagnosis like that on anybody, on anybody. But what you saw there, of course, was extreme state worship. Uh, to even have this type of award from the general government is extreme state worship. And the Republicans are just as guilty of it as, as the Democrats. They worship the central government. It is a religion to these people. A religion. 
the central government and everything it can do. If you look at just the basic outline of this, essentially Trump is saying, me, my administration, the government did these things. But we know that's not the case. Think about just some of the lines that he's going to use. And I'll think about some of those lines again on the half. The We're going to go into uh, a break here. I'll come back. We'll think about some of the lines. We'll talk about one of the things I want to talk about with the U.S. military. I'll see you on the other side of the break. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a Ph.D. in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up. It's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do. But I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum. That's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 to present. You've got enough material. You've got lesson plans. You've got uh, tests. You've got reading material. You've got reading seminars. You've got 36 weeks. If you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum. Or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Again, always free to enroll, and I'll see you there. All right, we're back talking about the State of the Union Address. And I mentioned that you can see where the Republican Party goes with this and some of the lines that were used. And again, we're going to talk about the military, but just... Think about this. This is Donald Trump. Since my election, we, meaning the government, have created 7 million new jobs, 5 million more than government experts predicted during the previous administration. We, the government. No, that's not what's created 7 million new jobs. Americans have done that. Now, you could say it's because of government the tax cuts, and he gets into that. Talks about the unemployment rate. Talks about... Uh, you know, employment for women, minorities. He continues, he says this. In eight years under the last administration, the Obama administration, over 300,000 working age people dropped out of the workforce. In just three years of my administration, three and a half million working age people have joined the workforce. So again, it's because of Trump. In my administration, that administration. Since my election, the net worth of the bottom half of wage earners has increased by 47%, three times faster than the increase for the top 1%. After decades of flat and falling incomes, wages are rising fast. And wonderfully, they are rising fastest for low-income workers. 
who have seen a 16% pay increase since my election. This is a blue-collar boom, right? So he's, again, trying to appeal to that Midwestern, hey, look at what we're doing. We know that rural America, though, Midwestern America, still is struggling. I mean, there still are things out there that these areas are struggling. Uh, there was just an article the other day about, of course, uh, housing prices. We're in another housing bubble. I mean, there are things going on now that are problematic, problematic for uh, the for the American economy long term. He talks about the stock market going up. He talks about 401ks, uh, the economic opportunity zones, which I find funny because he mentioned Tim Scott, the African-American senator from South Carolina. And of course, Democrats didn't even, I mean, nobody cheered him, but yet they're all about diversity and race. I mean, this is where the, the hypocritical Democrat Party is just funny to watch. Uh, they didn't stand for the Tuskegee Airmen. Of course, a lot of this is show. You have all of that going on. He talks about his trade deals, uh, which, again, the jury is out on whether these trade deals are going to be good for the United States long term, particularly those with China, where you have tariffs. He, he discussed China quite a bit uh, and whether that's going to help the American economy or not. All of these things, though, are, it's very hard to verify some of these statements that he's making in terms of, you know, how much money is this, how many people. I mean, these, these, these statistics are disputable. What you used to see in the State of Union Address is they would say, these are expenditures for the year. These are receipts for the year. Here's where we are. Here's how we're doing with the economy. And it was things that you could actually look in the Federal Register and validate. You can't do that with some of these claims. We just throw numbers around now. Like, oh, we got this, and we got that, and we got... We got these things. Who knows? Most Americans don't know. Most Americans are worried about what's happening in their home, in their community, and they don't know. I mean, they don't know what's happening over here. They could, they could, they can't see that. I mean, and when you start talking about these large numbers, billions, trillions, most Americans just, I mean, that's a number they they can't even fathom. Talk about thousands, though, and they can start fathoming. They can start grasping thousands. Um, so, all right, let's get to the military because this is important. Now, just about every state of the union address you can read throughout American history has some reference to foreign policy because foreign policy, of course, is the, is the backbone of the executive branch. I mean, this is what the executive is there to do, foreign policy. Um, so he begins, as we restore American leadership throughout the world, we are once again standing up for freedom in our hemisphere. That is why my administration reversed the failing policies of the previous administration on Cuba. We are supporting the hopes of Cubans, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans to restore democracy. The United States is leading a 59-nation diplomatic coalition against the socialist dictator of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro. Maduro is an illegitimate ruler, a tyrant who brutalizes his people, but Maduro's grip on, of tyranny will be smashed and broken. Here this evening is a man who carries within the hope streams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the, the again, this is American big stick diplomacy. This is Teddy Roosevelt in the Western Hemisphere. That's what we get, right? This is where we are. Western Hemisphere, big stick diplomacy. It's a problem to safeguard American liberty. We have invested a record-breaking 2.2 trillion in the United States military. We have purchased the finest planes, missiles, rocket ships, and every other form of military equipment, all made in the United States of America. Think about that. $2.2 trillion in the U.S. military. Our military spending far out, far surpasses, I mean, dozens of other countries combined. 
combined. And so I want to talk about this because there was an article that came out right after September 11th, of course, the United States, and because of our world empire, we're going to send troops all over the world. We sent them to a military base called K2. And uh, this is a this is in Uzbekistan. Uh, and the United States was, there was uh, several thousand troops, 7,000 U.S. troops were stationed there from 2001 to 2005. Right after September 11th, we had troops on the ground in Uzbekistan. The problem with this particular military base is that it was on a toxic waste dump. And so now American soldiers who were stationed there are reporting extremely high rates of cancer. There was one that died not long after, I mean, uh, very shortly after, uh, you know, coming home from K2. Of course, the VA is denying any of this. No, no, no. Cancer rates aren't bad. This is not true. This is not true. Um, and this is a problem with the American military, with the American empire. Not the military itself, not these poor soldiers who went over there. In fact, what you see, and this is interesting, when Ron Paul was, of course, running for president, Soldiers supported his candidacy more than any other Republican. Why? Because he was promising to bring the troops home. Trump was promising to bring troops home. It's one of the reasons why he got some, a substantial amount of support from veterans, from soldiers. Bernie Sanders right now has a very high, in the Democrat field, has a very high rate of soldiers supporting his administration uh, because he promises to bring the troops home. Soldiers don't want to be stationed at places like K2. Soldiers don't want to be in places that are horrible. They don't want to be taken away from their families for deployment after deployment after deployment in the far-flung American empire. But here you have Trump praising the amount of money we're spending on it. He talks about Space Force. How much money is that going to cost? Is that even constitutional? And then, and then this is one of the funniest lines from the entire speech. From the pilgrims to our founders, from the soldiers at Valley Forge to the marchers at Selma, from President Lincoln to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Americans have always rejected limits on our children's future. From the pilgrims. Um, that's bad history. The pilgrims were here first, really? And if you listen to Glenn Beck, of course they are. And I'm going to do a podcast episode on that and Beck's renewing America and all that nonsense he's doing right now where he's talking about the pilgrims and how Jamestown is evil. The pilgrims are good, Jamestown bad. Um... But look at the look at the imagery that he's using here. Um, he talks about how much uh, how much general government the general government is involved in education. Uh, the opportunity scholarships again unconstitutional. Uh, pass the Education Freedom Scholarships and Opportunity Act because no parent should be forced to send their child to a failing government school, right? I mean, so, well, no, that, that's the very defin definition for, in most cases for government schools, right? Um, uh, the Be Best Initiative, to uh, First Lady, to advance a safe, healthy, supportive, and drug-free life for the next generation, online in school and in our community. So we got you know, this First Lady Initiative. Uh, I mean, this this stuff is... You look at this, uh, the amount of money spent in the budget on all these things, unconstitutional, $2.2 trillion on, the, on defense. Now we're going to spend money on education, which is completely, I mean, this is the wrong thing to do uh, if you want to try to stop the leftward lurch in America, because this is where all this stuff comes from. 
Uh, executive order requiring transparency for our hospitals. Uh, he says our over 130 legislatures and legislators in this chamber have endorsed legislation that would bankrupt our nation by providing free taxpayer-funded health care to millions of illegal aliens, forcing taxpayers to subsidize free care for everyone in the world who unlawfully crosses our borders. I mean, that's red meat for the Republicans. Uh, and it's, I mean, look, uh, this is this shouldn't happen. We know it shouldn't happen. If we're going to have, you know, we're going to have policies like this, and people shouldn't get who are here illegally shouldn't get American services on the backs of American taxpayers. Um, but uh, when you look at this particular address, and I mean, it could take me it could take me two hours to go through this thing line by line and discuss all the different areas where Trump uh, is embellishing hyperbole, platitude, to appeal to the base. He talks about the coronavirus. I mean, he gets into that. We're going to have this, we got, we got to stop this coronavirus if it gets here. Um, he talks about what he does for the One Trillion Trees Initiative for the environment. I mean, he's trying to check off, again, this is a 2020 campaign speech. It's exactly what it is. Uh, he talks about the border, which, of course, we know the border is still porous. We've had more people flooding into the border, across the border, than we had even during the Obama administration. Um, we, I mean, this is, the border is not being secured. Uh, the build the wall. Um, the build the wall initiative uh, is just not working. They're not really building much of the wall. So, I mean, all the things that Trump campaigned on are not are not really coming uh, to bear. Now, he talks about religious liberty, and that's a whole other debate. Uh, freedom of prayer. But again, the central government doesn't determine this. This is a state issue. All the things in here you could check off over and over again. Over and over again. That where you see usurpation of state power by the central government. My administration has done this. We're going to have this initiative for, the, for this program. We're going to have this initiative. All these things are sucking power into the central authority. So the Trump administration is just as guilty as the Obama administration, the Bush administration, and these administrations. Every the, the Republican Party is just as guilty of these things, of extreme centralization, as the Democrat Party. The question is, where do you go from here? If, if this is what we know, if we know that the Trump administration does these things, we know the Obama administration did, and, and voting for voting the bums out just gets you a new set of bums, which is true. You're just going to get people who are still just as corrupt. We know that uh, most of the individuals who serve in Congress uh, don't have a lick of sense when it comes to real American history. Uh, when you see things like nullification is treason and secession is treason, and all these things, decentralization is bad. Uh, we can't do any of that. We're going to return. We're going to return power to the states. No, the states could just take that. So this is where think locally, act locally comes into play. The states can just take that power. It's theirs. The general government can't return anything that they don't have, and that's the mindset Americans need to start having when they look at these State of the Union addresses. First, we need to cut spending. I mean, we're 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 running into a horrible economic uh, disaster uh, by continuing to spend this amount of money, even on defense. And I know that's, again, that's red meat for the Republicans. We're going to go out, we're going to be the big guys, we're going to be able to beat everybody. I mean, it's it's the football mentality. We got the best team, we're going to bulldoze everybody on the, on, in, on the schedule, and we're going to win 55 to nothing. Um, 
That's the mentality there. And of course, Americans love this stuff. And I mean, who doesn't want to win? You don't want to be in the guy that's going to get pushed around. But on the other hand, do we need to spend $2.2 trillion on this stuff? The Democrats are just as bad in what they want to do to bankrupt everything for all the Santa Claus initiatives they want to have. All these things are unconstitutional. All these things are um, certainly dangerous for the American uh, economy long term. But yet this is where we are. And we have these State of the Union addresses full of hyperbole, full of platitudes, full of promises that cannot be delivered. They're really problematic for the future. They're really problematic for the future. And uh, the best thing we can do is look at these things and say, my gosh, when can we have the State of the Union address returned to a written form? When can we get rid of the American king, which we've had now for a very long time? It's not the Trump administration that gave us that. When can we return to sound government, a real federal republic? These are the things that people should be asking um, in American politics. Not what uh, we're getting here in a whole bunch of promises and platitudes and hyperbole. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's R or D. That's what you're going to get. The Democrats look silly during this, during this State of the Union. Uh, there's a story about Trump. I didn't watch it. I'm just reading it. There's a story about Trump, you know, directing the band and other things. I don't know if any of that happened. Who knows? Uh, I didn't watch that. But uh, certainly the Democrats look silly. Optics are bad. Uh, and Trump did a great speech to appeal to his base, not full of a whole lot of substance, full of a whole lot of fluff, and again, hyperbole, but this is what people want on the Republican side, and I think that looking at what's happened, Trump is pretty much setting up for a re-election in 2020. Now, things could change, uh, and we know that uh, the economy, at some point, has the, the stress is going to get there, the structure's got to fail, but we'll see what happens with that in the future. But when you look at the American empire and you look at, it doesn't matter if we're talking about international or, or at home, uh, there are some real issues here with too much central authority. And that's what we should be focusing on when we look at, when we read these State of the Union addresses. It's what should be on your mind when you listen to it. Think locally, act locally should always be there. All right. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.